Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Well, we're back with the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast, uh, continuing to interview farmers here in Ohio, and we've got Jeff Mavis. We're in Fayette County today talking with him. And he's been farming for a few more years than our previous guest, um, Aaron. He was 31. So we've got some um, interesting stuff for uh, Jeff here to share with us today. He's dipped his hands into several different things, and I'm excited to talk to him about that. Um, So, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about your farming experience? Well, thank you, man. It's a privilege to be here. well, I've been farming longer than Aaron's been around, but uh, <laughs> I started in 1977 full-time, and it's a family farm. Um, it's been a family since 1840. I'm the sixth generation, and my son, uh, who's doing most of the work now, will be the seventh, and then he has a grandson who's pretty interested. We're just north of Bloomingburg in Fayette County here, and we have about 943 acres we farm. All grain farm, and... Um, We've uh, trying to f- uh, new things down the road, but uh, basically we've kept with corn and soybeans and wheat and some hay over the years. Very cool. And you said 1840, so you guys have that sesquicentennial oh, right. designation. <laughs> yeah, the ODA has a you know that designation. Now it used to be Century Farm, and I think bicentennial, and they threw that 175 in there, so we got that certificate. Yeah, and it's had livestock over the years and. Uh, but it's basically it's the same block that was started out in 1840. And so you mentioned that your um, son is doing a lot of the work now. So right. you guys have been working on farm transition a little bit. Right. Um, yes. Um, he's been helping the last five years. Uh, he was a welder and he'd help off and on. But he moved down to the farm. We have a home on the farm besides where I live. And he and his family lived there, and so he started helping about five years ago. Now he's doing most all the, uh, you know, <clears throat> physical tractor work. Um, so after I inherited the land uh, about last about a year ago, 2018 fall, um, started on a transition plan, and basic, and that's a lot uh, due to uh, motivation from you guys and extension. I have to say because they you have a great uh, team promoting. Uh, you know, helping farmers with transition and uh, so forth. So I got information there, and um, <clears throat> we. Uh, I said I changed. I changed my will, and I and I had a trust put in place. So for right now, that's the basic transition I have in place right now. And then we're working on uh, a management plan together for my son and me, and we formed an we formed an LLC, and we're <clears throat> excuse me going. Form an equipment LLC soon. We have an operating LLC. Okay, great. Yeah, so, you know, your farm has now been passed down for quite a few generations. Right. You know, what are some of the things you think your family's done that's set you guys up for that long-term success? Oh, that's a great, great question. One of the great things is um, we've, we've never had any debt, really, and they were able to keep this going without getting into borrowing money, so that's helped me out a lot. They, there was always somebody interested in the farm, whether it was my grandmother uh, inherited it, and she had it for about 40 years, and I worked for her, but she let me grow and develop there, knowing I like farming. And then my mother did the same thing, so I think there's been a desire to honor farming and not just development, even though we have a lot of road frontage there. So, 
I've been lucky there. And it, I think one thing that came out in talking with you before is you do have a passion for agriculture and because of that maybe is why you put some land into the farmland preservation program? Oh yes, you're right. Um, I've always thought that was a good idea to preserve farmland and I think the ODA goes about it the right way on the point system. On They really want to preserve valuable farmland that isn't already surrounded by development or they have a lot of good criteria so I felt like <clears throat> if I ever was able to own this land which I do now I would like to um, preserve it down the road uh, with the ODA's plan and sell the development rights which is a nice benefit to the monetary um, if, if you qualify the, the money that you can get and so I I ran this by both my son and daughter, and they thought it was a good idea. We've talked mm -hmm. about it over the years. Uh, so I did uh, half the farm last year, and it got approved last summer by the by the preservation board. And I just a week ago entered the other half, and so the whole farm hopefully will be preserved uh, if it, everything passes here. Oh, that's incredible, really, <laughs> to take oh. that step. It's important as we continue mm. to lose farmland and like you mentioned valuable farmland too yeah especially in this part of the state as we mm -hmm. see you know eventually Columbus is going to continue to sprawl out this far so yeah. this is really a very valuable part of Ohio to try to to keep it well near I, to its rural roots I've always felt that way and when I'd see things developing in the 90s <coughs> excuse me around Columbus and uh, be aware of that people have right to develop their farmland but it's going to be a scarce commodity I think like you said with there's still sprawl going on and it's good land good ground yeah I know around where I live I kind of feel pretty old when I'm driving around and I say oh when I was growing up that, that was farmland <laughs> but, but it's, it's crazy how old, quickly that can change <laughs> I'm starting to sound like my grandma <laughs> Yeah, things go so fast, yeah. yeah. The recession slowed things down a bit, but then it seems like it's picking up. It again. does feel like it's picking back up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's just a, you know, a result of how America was developed. You know, we came over and we had to farm to survive, and then it just, you know, that's where we settled and it grew from there. Mm -hmm. I just think, oh, you know, if we could <laughs> restructure the way... Um, we found in America, then we could preserve some of that farmland. You just have to think, like Columbus, especially with the two rivers there, that had to be really fertile ground, I'd think. It is, but, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, around the surrounding areas, we still farm, it is, so. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you, so you sort of think about the national parks, people thought ahead on the yeah. valuable resource they had for many reasons, and we got to think ahead, I believe. And I, th I think the ODA's done a great job on that. They have quite a process you have to go through. So. Yeah. yeah. So to keep your farm sustainable over the years, you've mm -hmm. tried a lot of different things. Would you like to talk about some of the different conservation practices or things like that you've tested out? Well, um, you know, we're all no-till now, and um, we've put waterways in, and we have a mile of Paint Creek running through us, so <clears throat> we have kind of low ground that we have to look out for, and... Uh, it seems to be more prone to flooding these days, and of course, I think we've all seen heavier rain, and so we're getting erosion there. And we're trying to, we would ideally like to have a cover crop on all year round, but we've had some problems um, 
getting things established and working right in the during the planning process and all this. But uh, we're getting there, we think. But that would help, I believe. And so um, we have planted trees along the creek and some other things. And uh, I, I felt like a lot of the government programs, uh, CREP and CRP, and you know. They don't pay as much as maybe if you made uh, off of corn and soybeans in a great year, but uh, they do have a light insurance policy, and they definitely help with these um, flooded areas uh, slow down the um, the water coming out of bank. So I think there's a lot of good programs, and I've been in been in those, and I still am in those. So I think that's a great approach. We uh, we've seen for many years trees coming out of fence lines and tearing mm -hmm. off fence lines, and I know. You, you've really tried to help build wildlife habitat on your farm, which is, it's kind of a different approach than what some of us are taking. Well, you know, I like to see it, and especially when we were working, you could take a little break and walk down the creek, and if you had the right habitat, you could see, you know, pheasants, and uh, fence rows will promote quail. Um, you can see a hawk, hawks, different types of hawks flying over with the water in the, in the grassy areas, and, uh, you know, we're, we welcome every every wildlife down there. They haven't really bothered us. So I think it's here in Fayette <coughs> County that they've really targeted bobwhite quail. Is there okay. a small area? I think so. I'm trying to remember um, from one of the areas we've hunted pheasants in the past, but mm -hmm. a very yeah. targeted area where they've worked with landowners to create a continuous um, habitat for bobwhite quail. And they've seen some growth there. It just unfortunately is isolated a you know, mm -hmm. but, yeah. Well, they're getting around to my farm because I hadn't seen them until a few years ago, and there's quail showing up there. Oh, but cool. we don't have pheasants like we did, and I'm not yeah. quite sure. I know that we had some harsh winters. Um, uh, well, they, we're not having one this year, but uh, haven't had them for about th three or four years, really. So mm -hmm. I don't know why. Well, do you want to talk about some of the technology that you guys have adopted over the years? Sure. Um, well, my, it's thanks to my son we've had the last five years a real leap in technology because I've gone from hauling wagons to Cargill to, um, you know, we have a semi now and so forth. But as far as technology, we've, we've got a little wider equipment, but like on our planter, you know, we have uh, clutch control for, for you, uh, so you don't overplant. We don't mm -hmm. have the uh, individual units going off, but that's been nice where you, haven't, where you don't overplant. Uh, same with the sprayer, kind of the same thing. You know, we have a self-propelled sprayer we just got that the swath control that we have on that will shut off, you know, automatically on, on your end row so you don't overspray. Of course, they're all, they go all off on the GPS system and my son knows how to operate that stuff. And, you know, at first years ago, I thought it was kind of a convenience thing, but it really is an efficient thing if you, you can get carried away on buying these things, and, but it's really proven to help us a lot those particular things we've done. Yeah, those are great technologies. I know when people are asking what's the first thing they should adopt and those are usually the first ones I point right. out huh. because in Ohio we're not dealing with those nice square fields that a lot of our western oh, yeah. neighbors That's are. Point. That's exactly so right. We see some big efficiency gains being able to not overplant or even having skips on your point rows. That makes yeah. a huge difference. That's, well, you, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it hard before I did. But, Every uh, once in a while I know that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's, that's so true, especially because our is. fields are all jagged and uh, next to open ditch and creek and 
And it is really a big help. Yeah, you, you don't realize, I think, how much you save spraying and seeds and so forth. Yeah. And it doesn't help that it, it looks nicer. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Much nicer than my planet, that's for sure. So you said that you're going to be adding wheat, mainly for the straw, um, and hay back into the rotation at a time when we see a lot of farmers pulling yeah. that out. I know. And, you know, we're just thinking about this. Now, hay, hay is, uh, we're not, we don't know hay that well. I, I would grow some when I was doing some organic just to kind of bail it off and um, have some nitrogen for the corn. But it may be primarily straw, the more we're talking mm -hmm. about it, because I think that's a little bit easier for us to get into. And uh, then we can get it off and double crop and maybe help the rotation and also make some money that way. I think straw right now is better than the wheat, but if you can get them all to work together and, and a double crop in there quick enough, you might not only help your rotation, but do as well or better than corn and beans. So that's what we're looking at. But. And then um, something that I'm pretty passionate about because I've seen the value of it is that farm business analysis program. And I try to promote that, but it is a big time investment um, gathering up that information. So you guys went through that yeah. with uh, Diane Shoemaker and yes, her team. Yes, we did. And we went, and her her special assistant for us was Trish Levering, and I I hope she's going to come back again this year, but we put her through uh, all kinds of bizarre numbers and things <laughs> that she had to kind of get, get us to lock into and get figured out proper categories. But I, I think this has been around a long time because I think I remember mm -hmm. doing it in the late 70s. And I had, hadn't done it for a while, but, um, you know, I heard about this once again through the extension, um, this service, and, and, you know, they have a grant, and they are just tremendous, Diane and Trish, you know, giving you one-on-one -on -one time and help. And uh, my son is all, he's not big on going to meetings, but when he saw this, he, he said, you know, we really need to, this is really going to help us focus in on our areas that need improvement. And we've already seen what we need to improve on, and suggestions, you know, and uh, it has benchmarks where you can compare to other corn and bean farmers, and I, it's, and the, the, the care that you all give people for this is amazing, so I'm very grateful for it. So was it very painful, or was it not so bad? <laughs> Left as Trish. I know it was more painful for her. Well, yeah. but, we, but on your end, it wasn't so bad. I'm trying yeah. to, you know, farmers oh, out there interested. That, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, you're going to have to, the less careful records you keep, the more you're going to have to dig in those drawers and things. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we ha you got to account for your, uh, for, for money spent in one year as opposed to the other year and, and your uh, inco income. And there's a lot of things you got to come up with, categories, but that's the best way to do it because that's the only way you find out. And they try to help you as much as they can and, and have great suggestions about how to, where to go and look. And, yeah, did you learn anything from that that just really shocked you about your operation? Oh, you know, we haven't gone over it as much as we should because we just actually finished in December. And it's time to start again. We, it's a continuous thing where you, you know, can build on that and see how you're doing over the years. But um, I think in our case, um, and I've got to look over some more, but we needed to do better in our um, salary department, actually. <laughs> so... Maybe I'm, uh, maybe, uh, you know, I've got to eat more peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> so I'm pretty good at making those, but anyway. Yeah. But we do need to look over some categories. I haven't 
I can't answer that really well right now for you. But we've been we've been talking about let's get together and go over, you know, these areas that we need to focus on. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way. Um, you know, we all have areas we can improve, and if you don't know where the most important areas or where there's the most room for improvement, it can be hard to make those decisions. This, I think, exactly. makes it a little bit more clear. <laughs> yeah, Good exactly. point. Yeah. And we did do a podcast on that episode 22. If listeners, you're interested, go back and learn a little bit more about that or farmprofitability.osu.edu, I think, is a website there. So. Yeah, glad we were able to help you guys out with that. That's wonderful, and uh, just one of many services you guys get. <laughs> Thank you. So I guess kind of some of the more unique things that you've done that caught my attention, um, rehabilitating foxes on your farm. <laughs> well, you wanted information. I just went. Yeah. No, I um, think it's cool. Well... You know, I uh, had a period of time there in the 90s and all that I had, I was able to go volunteer at the Ohio Wildlife Center, a nonprofit up in Columbus, and I wanted to learn more about wildlife and learn more about it so I could enjoy it on the farm and build up the habitat. So we, um, my special job, before they had an outdoor enclosure, which they have now up at their education facilities in uh, Cook Road, I think it is, up near um, Shawnee Hills, um, I had a, I put up a 20 by 40 fence for uh, getting orphan foxes and uh, in the spring and then we'd see them through the summer and then release them on the farm uh, natural habitat so that was uh, it was a pretty interesting you had to keep them as wild as you could you know because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have survived or made out so that was the object to try to help help nature along so yeah. I enjoyed it yeah. that's really interesting <laughs> really fun Well, Jeff, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I think it's really fascinating to learn more about all of the diversity in our farms across Ohio. So we really appreciate the time you've taken today. Certainly welcome. Thank you. Best of luck in 2020. Thank you. Hi, listeners. Just a note that I was referring to the Fallsville Wildlife Area when talking about that bobwhite quail habitat which is actually in Highland County. So I wanted to clarify that for you. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.